And good morning. You're tuned to KZYX and Z, uh, and this is Mind Body Health with your host, Dr. Marvin Trotter. Good morning, Eddie. Good morning. We have a very interesting, difficult show this morning. Um, it isn't cardiology or urology. We're going to talk about suicide, mental health, and, and healing. Um, but it'll be a very interesting show that I think is important for everybody to hear because this isn't uh, something that is in most people's wheelhouses of knowledge or how to handle things. But first, I'm going to introduce our two guests today, Suni Smith. Hello, good morning. And Kay Lieberneck. Hi, he got the name right. Very good. <laughs> so I'm off to a good start. So we'll ta start with the easier last name. Suni, uh, how, did, how did you get to Ukiah? Um, I got to Ukiah because my ex-husband was asked to come and be the um, garden project leader for Fetzer Valley Oaks. He created a beautiful garden um, down there. And the reason we have been living in Missouri, doing a small garden there, myself, um, my daughter Joanna, and my son Madrone. And um, I was kind of looking for where can where can I find a place for the kids to go to school? Um, I was a Waldorf person, and and that led me here. Okay, um, so Kay, how did you get to Mendocino? I was uh, getting out of nursing school from the Bay Area, and we had um, two children. No, only one then. And our daughter was half white and half black, and it seemed like if we wanted to live in the country, it was going to be hard to you know, find a place where she wouldn't really um, be kind of alone in her colorfulness. And so um, we looked in the uh, 19... Uh, 1970 census at towns under a certain size with over a certain percentage of people of color. And then we visited these towns, and Ukiah was the best one. Well, it's I've always said it's hard to beat Mendocino County if you have a job. <laughs> um, um, so we're here today with a difficult topic in mind, body, and health, suicide, mental illness, and healing. So, Suni, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're here today. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Trotter. Thanks for having um, both of us. And I, I just have to say, it's not easy to be here talking to a radio audience about suicide and mental illness. I chose to do this, and yeah, I, I have to tell you, even up until this morning, I really didn't even want to come over here. But here I am. So, I want to acknowledge two things right now. For most of us, it is hard to talk about difficult subjects because it brings up uncomfortable feelings. So, I want to acknowledge that. And because of that, many times we just don't even say anything about what's going on because even though it might help us to get through it. So, I'm talking. And... It's also hard to hear about difficult subjects because that can also bring up uncomfortable feelings. Um, and so there's awkwardness. We don't have any idea what to say. Um, when I've talked about my situation, people say, there are no words, and I agree. That's true. <laughs> and I just want 
people to know it's okay to feel awkward. And I appreciate, yeah. So my daughter died by suicide at 36 years old from complications of PTSD, brain injury, and mental illness. And I'm, I'm choosing these words really consciously, and I'm purposely choosing to have my voice heard for the greater good. I've, I've been repeatedly encouraged by my friends to continue to share my story because it is all too human and it's very universal. So once again, for everybody who is listening, I want to appreciate that you are simply willing to listen, to be a little uncomfortable on this in these subjects and to accept life is a bumpy road. So thank you for just being present. Just to go on a little bit more, um, right after my daughter died, I started to share my thoughts and feelings with friends and family in person. Um, I am a person who shares. And on Facebook, as a way to deal with the complicated grief that I felt. And also as a way to honor my daughter and hopefully help her spirit to be supported. You know, um, I've really been impressed with the work that you've done SUNY um, in the community you've thank you put on a couple of exhibits that a lot of people attended and and you were present so much to share and support them and their reaction to your expression of your pain and it's so soon after Joanna's death um, and I'd l like you to just what did you learn or what have you experienced because of this public sharing and giving well, thanks, Kay. And because of this, um, many people did share with me um, their own stories and feelings. I feel that that was a value in and of itself, just that they had a chance to share. Um, and I also discovered how prevalent suicide, trauma, and mental illness is. So I wanted to speak out today on behalf of so many people who struggle um, and and really struggle almost silently with these painful experiences. Um, so you said you choose your words consciously and you want to speak up, so tell us more. Well, um, after my daughter died, I was faced with many things I wasn't prepared for. And this is true for anybody who's a close um, survivor of suicide loss. The first, one of the first things is writing an obituary. So what am I going to say? My first need to choose my words carefully. Um, luckily, I met a woman on one of my daughter's favorite beaches on Kauai, and she helped me find words. Her stepson had died by suicide, and she had formed a support group starting in her kitchen, which eventually became an online international presence it's called Alliance of Hope for Survivors of Suicide Loss. And it is really good. <laughs> yeah, okay. So that's, you can go online anywhere and find Alliance for Hope for Suicide? You know, there are two things, and I, I should distinguish. There's Alliance of Hope and Alliance for Hope, and I, hers is Alliance of Hope. Okay. I will double-check that. Okay, Alliance of Hope. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're, two, they're two different things. Um, so she advised me rather than say committed suicide, say died by suicide. And that changes the entire outlook. 
um, so I, I wrote the obituary, and I was encouraged by the local search and rescue guy who found her because he said the community needs to hear more. So um, I had the intention for the community to hear this different outlook using different language, um, and, and potentially that could help release the shame, the blame, the guilt, and the stigma that's associated with mental illness and suicide. Can, you've said one other word that makes me think. Yeah. You, you were, I remember you saying that instead of saying, well, you know, they died because they, you know, they killed themselves because they were just sick. They were so sick. That isn't a very neutral thing to hear. But you said, you know, you're trying to tell your grandkids what happened to their dad. Maybe say they had an illness. Thanks, Kate. Yeah, I, I agree. And a little bit later, I'll say more about the words that I chose. And you are bringing up a, a great thing. Um, yeah, I, I also wanted people to remember how wonderful, creative, dynamic, helpful, incredibly courageous and strong my daughter was. And I know, Kay, you've, you understand this. Um, I didn't want us to just be stuck in judging her action and saying, well, at least she's not suffering anymore. Um, and I, I do know that there are people who believe that those who die by suicide suffer even more after they die. Who knows about that? But the person who was alive was was a wonderful person. Yeah, I can see where that um, someone that dies by suicide, you have this um, black feeling about them, or and you don't appreciate all the wonderful things and what an impulsive thing this was, and um, how hard the stigmas must be around this how you even can discuss this with people. I, I have trouble discussing a bad hamburger with somebody. Um, so I think this wouldn't work well for me. Um, but tell us more about your story. So um, my purpose um, in, in telling my story is, one of my purposes is to ask people to join me in erasing the stigma all these social judgments around mental illness, generational trauma, domestic abuse, differentness of any kind, and suicide. So Can start I interrupt for just a second. Yeah. I love the words you have in here, and I don't know if everybody understands what generational trauma is. And then I love that you say differentness, um, because that is like it. You know, I. Like, I don't like things going dis or whatever, you know, disability or weird things. I like things like differentness. Um, but I can, I'd like to just say generational trauma is that thing where, you know, your great-grandparents had this problem, and man, you're suffering with it too. It just doesn't go away unless people get conscious, take away the stigma, and talk about it. And I want to say just how that words are so important, and and um, my little hackles that aren't very mad went up when when the heavy, um, painful aspect of suicide was referred to as black. You know the you know the mm -hmm. 
So I just want to exactly. say a better word would be maybe heavy and painful. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't know light if we didn't have dark, right? And um, there's also there's connotations to that. Yeah. Thank you for being so humble. <laughs> okay. Well, so getting back to suicide, um, I, I've noticed. I think people might agree. The social judgment tends to be that suicide is morally wrong. It, it has been forbidden. It's considered punishable, and it's considered a failure on the part of the one who ends their life. I think that's really heavy. When used negatively, the word committed, which typically, you know, people say committed with suicide, the word committed is a word that is usually associated with crimes, such as murder or serious abuse or genocide. Died is the word that people use to what happens to all of us. We're all going to die, you know. It's just human. So I like using that word my daughter died um, and somebody's sometimes somebody dies from complications of cancer or a serious accident somebody could die from complications of trauma and suicide um, by clearing the stigma we start to make space for individual and community healing I, I would like to say that I believe suicide is either a mistake an accident or a painfully necessary choice due to the failure of other support options to carry on living so I say this is what I say to people my daughter died from complications of brain injury and mental illness and I honor that she tried for years and and many people do try for years to deal with their problems using multiple therapeutic modalities for her for about eight years things more or less worked and and that can be true for other you know for anybody and then um, the psychosis returned we think possibly because she had gotten a couple concussions and she finally said to me mom I can't do this anymore and I had to listen and recognize that for her, that was true. From hearing the stories of many other people, I, I think this rings true for other people, too. Yes, it does. Okay? And I just want to say, I love this, that you say your daughter died from complications of brain injury and mental illness. Because some people are really, really afraid to let their children know how it was that their loved one died when they died by suicide. But if you say, you know, they had brain injury and they were mentally ill, you know, and they tried their best to handle it, but it just, it just took them. Then you haven't said the S word if you really don't feel like you can, you yeah. know, if, if, if that's what you want. But at least you can let them know how they died. That's, that's right. a pretty important thing. And I'll just say, Kay's, Kay, Kay um, leads a suicide support group, and we've talked about these issues, and, and um, this is something that has come up that we're aware of. Yeah. Um, so suicide can be a mistake um, because the power of 
suicidal ideation, that's a psychological term, but it's just repeatedly having the idea of suicide. Um, that power arises out of psychosis, and it can be totally excruciating and overwhelming. I think that, um, I'll say that many people have had suicidal feelings. It, it just happens, and when you get stuck in that, it, it's like a it's like a little hamster running around in a wheel. You just get stuck, and it's really painful. Um, but if the person was, quote, unquote, in their right mind, it's kind of a an old phrase, they would not end their life or choose other destructive choices if they were really in their right mind. But I think you bring up a good point. Don't most people have suicide ideation sometime in their life? I did when I was a resident in medicine. Yeah, no, it's, it is true. And I've, I've heard people say that um, to me, and um, yeah, I want to acknowledge it. And in fact, if you look at residents uh, doing, you know, after medical school, they have four times the rate of suicide that the general population does. Yeah. And yeah. they're... You know, usually bright, you know, balanced people that, you know, go into medical school. Yeah, I, I, I've read information. I'm glad you bring that up. Wow. <laughs> what a way doctor. to promote your doctors is work them so well, hard and make them so humble. <laughs> well, right. maybe not. It's a, it's a difficult time. Mm -hmm. Gosh, it's terrible. Yeah. And I'll just go on and say that suicide can be an accident. Um because at times, the psychiatric medications that a person is using to try to stay in balance and control their life, sometimes those things actually do the opposite, and they can even create more disassociation, depression, anxiety, rapid cycling. That's another psychological term, and you don't ever want to watch somebody who is in rapid cycling in a bipolar situation it's horrible and suicide ideation you know the meds i believe can even sort of strengthen the physical impulse to act on the ideas yes um there's some medications you don't give to children because they have bad outcomes sometimes yeah, yeah. exactly when medications are helpful Again, that person would not end their life and could gradually regain their footing. And finally, suicide can be a painfully necessary choice. I know it's weird to say choice, but it can be a painfully necessary choice due to the failure of other options for help, such as not being able to benefit from or even to access various forms of therapeutic support. And I think the access issue is important. Um, the, and and the, the cumulative effects of brain injuries and malfunction and negative thought patterns and judgments sometimes actually are too much to manage. So um, thinking about different ways to um, approach this topic, um, I, the generational trauma is an interesting issue. Could you talk some more about that? Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm glad Kay mentioned it earlier, and I, I want to say it, a little more about it. Um, all of us, and, and even you'll notice in you know 
probably even the New York Times articles or whatever, you know, all of us are learning more about it. Um, recently, I was able to participate briefly in a workshop at Ukiah High School um, given for local Native youth. And it's uh, designed um, by a, a wonderful guy, um, a Native American. It's designed by him as a training to recover from the effects of the history of tribal oppression and abuse. Um, so this can tragically, through the generations, turn into abuse of self or others close to yourself. Classically, I think this is seen in alcohol and drug abuse or domestic violence. Um, so something generations ago, and in the case of Native Americans, you know, what the tribes um, put up with, um, it, it, it trickles down and comes out currently in, in you know, living generations. But fortunately, there is an awakening to this whole thing, and um, and there are new attempts to recover and choose something which is called the good road of life in this workshop. Um, Pinoleville tribal members, such as Gabe Ray, um, have created a crisis intervention plan, which is really admirable, yes. and a suicide hotline and other um, programs for youth to recover, make healthy choices, and rediscover the strength in their traditions. So this is a local example of what I'm talking about. A culture that is working in a community process to heal the group, their own group, as well as heal individuals so that everybody can step onto a new path. And I wanted to say that um, I'm, I'm going to be picky on words. Good. The image that you get when you hear that the Native Americans tribes uh, put up with whatever, you know, is similar to, you know, just being passive, putting up with being abused. And I'll tell you, they resisted mightily. And and I just really appreciate the opportunity to see this, all that you've described and what you got to participate in. Um, I know uh, that the local tribes have been developing is so much wonderful resistance to all of that generational abuse. And, and you know, it's, it's inspiring because uh, what little I've suffered has been really hard to do more than just receive, you know, but instead turn it into good. What are they doing so wonderfully to turn it into good? Very resilient people. Yeah. And thanks again, Kay, for um, for, for pointing out language. It, that's a very important thing for me. That is one of my reasons for wanting to talk also is just if we change language, sometimes it changes whole attitudes. Um, so... We're at 9.30, okay. and I just wanted to tell everybody they can start calling in if they wish. 895-2448. Uh, we have a lot more to talk about, but um, um, people can start calling in. But we're going to go to the next um, section. Um, 
And I want to hear a little bit more from Kay. Hello, and what do you want to share with us about yourself? Oh, all right. Um, <laughs> I'm the uh, grief counselor for Hospice of Ukiah, and I want to tell about, just to uh, be sure people know the resource that Hospice of Ukiah provides, um, we're a nonprofit that provides services without any charge to clients and their loved ones. And, you know, hospice is for people that are um, near death. And um, But many years ago, we also started providing services for people who were um, in... Actually, I'm going to stop you right there because uh-huh. we're going to take a phone call. Oh, good. Caller, you're on the air. Hello? Um, yep. Yes. Yes, this is uh, Clovis Lewis, um, and I wanted to just point out uh, two things that I heard. One was about concussions that SUNY was talking about, and the other is uh, generational trauma. Uh, that, and I just wanted to amplify that concussions are a very dangerous thing, and we find that concussions can lead to other concussions, and they actually really affect brain chemistry and brain structure uh, and can uh, lead to uh, uh, suicidal uh, ideation and all kinds of uh, all kinds of problems um, so that that was one thing and then the other thing that I wanted to talk about is epigenetics we're talking about generational trauma but a lot of people think Generational trauma is something that um, can be easily fixed. Um, in the case, for example, of uh, Native Americans, African Americans, um, it's not that easy because epigenetics really is in biology the study of, of um, changes that make alterations to DNA sequences. So, um, uh, generations of trauma actually do have affect DNA okay. uh, and it can be reversed but it does really um, point to the fact that uh, if you have lots of alcoholism lots of trauma in in a in generations um, that is a real cause thank, thank you very much thank, okay um, I think all of that you said is true and uh, thanks for the call um, and we're, and I want to tell you one other thing is that um, Hospice of Ukiah does great work. I've, I've, for 30 years, we've used that in the hospitals as a, as a resource. But go ahead and tell us about it. Okay, so there is palliative care also for those that can still be re- receiving treatment so they can get support at home for years through hospice and then I'm able to work as the grief counselor chaplain with clients and their loved ones um, before and after death and I can visit people do phone counseling and even have kids or grown-ups to my ranch to get the horses help with their grief and the last support groups are open to anyone in the community because um, it doesn't matter how long ago or who died how we have services for you so I have a phone number my own phone number through hospice is 707-391-1817. And we have the suicide loss support group in particular is pertaining to this um, talk today. 
and it meets on the first, third, and fifth Wednesday of every month from 6.30 to 8 p.m. And we're meeting at the Ukiah United Methodist Church in room 106, so call me up if you want a little encouragement to come. Now, this is not for people to, you know, directly and specifically prevent them from, you know, doing a suicide, but I'll tell you what, it helps people want to live on because we share deeply and we have ways that we um, really help each other heal. You know, I'm going to make one comment about the phone call that I should have made is what his point was is that there's a lot of physical um, biology to concussions and intergenerational trauma. Um, I'm on the board at um, Ford Street, Ukiah Recovery Center, and listen to people talk. Uh, this isn't a moral um, failure. Um, you know, a lot of people uh, have terrible childhoods with a lot of alcoholism, and it's a, it's a tough issue. Thank you. Yeah. Um, can I, can I, uh, oh, is there another caller? Yeah, there's another call. Oh, Let's please. see if, um, a lot of people caller. have terrible childhoods. Hello, is this 91.5? Yes, yes it is. You're on the air. What's your question for our guests? Um, I, I don't have a question. I actually have a suggestion. Okay. Um, being very close to uh, um, to a person that that chose um, that chose to die by suicide. Uh huh. I would like to just say that I'm. I feel that um, our doctors are missing a huge a huge um, aspect in the fact of our their pain patients that, that suffer from chronic pain. Um, I would like them to have a lot more counseling for them and their families. When a person's suffering from chronic pain, it affects the whole family. Yes. It affects every aspect of their life, and it affects them mentally, physically, yeah. and in every way you can imagine. Chronic pain is just not about their hurt back or their hurt leg or their hurt hip. It's about their whole body. And it's been ignored. You know, I'm not saying it's just an overlooked. You know, our doc, you have a doctor that treats you for pain. You have a doctor that treats you for this, a doctor that treats you for that. But we need a, a whole body doctor, a, do, a doctor that treats you your mind, body, and soul. And um, chronic pain patients are, are missing out on a lot of uh, mental health. They need mental health as well as physical health. Their families need mental health. Yeah. I, I think mental not, health in general is under, un, you know, we don't have nearly enough mental health. Oh, yes, sir. I've always I've always thought that. It's not something you can see. It's not something you can identify readily by looking at a person. Um, all of, you know, all, we're all, this, this world is, is, is a tough place to be. Okay. And um, it just makes it harder when you're, you know, a doctor needs to look at the whole Patient, every everything. That's why you need a good exactly. primary care physicians. Thank you very much for your call. I I have, I would like to share a wonderful story as a illustration, um, kind of of what the woman that just called was talking about. Not at all about what doctors should do more or anything, but okay. I said that I do this equine assisted grief counseling, and I had a um, session for a family and it was uh sitting in the pasture with three horses um and we talked first and 
you know, the the family had lost somebody very important uh, to to suicide, and they had been in chronic pain for years and losing their um, abilities to handle a lot of things. The whole family was suffering from that pain, and then the person died by suicide. So we talked for a little bit about how they were feeling, and it was clear they were pretty mad, and um, you know about how the person died and and what they had lost so much. Um, then they were to go and meet the horses um, one at a time. And I have a horse that's 34 years old, which is like being 104, something like that. Um, 102, I can't remember exactly, but um, pretty old, okay? And she has been fragile for the last almost a year. Um, with falling and having to be helped up and this and that. And then three weeks ago, she had been really sick, and I thought she was going to die. So all these people that love her came over and thought they were seeing her for the last time, but she pulled through amazingly. Um, anyway, she was there, and that she was the first horse she went. they went to check out. And um, then they met a couple other horses. And uh, then I asked them, well, what are these horses' personalities? And they described them. And I said, well, who do you identify with that would be like you? And they described that. And I said, well, and who would the person who died be like most? Oh, certainly like Chispa, the first old horse. Um, and I said, well, what for? Well, because that horse seems kind of like calm and strong and wise, but also really sad and maybe hurting and, um, you know, it's just very much like him, but he was a real hard worker. And um, so then, you know, we did a few other things, and then we kind of separated a little, and there were a couple of the women and girls in the family um, over by Chispa petting her, and they got tears in their eyes, and they were saying, oh, she's so sad, and she's just so so hurting and the little girl said boy maybe she needs somebody special in her life and and the the woman said chispa it's okay you've done what you need to do you can let go and then we separated but that was grace that that woman gave to chispa the grace of you can let go. And I think she gave it to the man who died, too. You know, this, this um, um, I think working with horses is great. And the most difficult thing I think about this whole subject, I know this sounds kind of bizarre, is what do you do when you go through something like this? How do you work through this complicated grief and and societal views of what happened yeah thanks doctor um so my um my first tool in dealing with grief really was daily loving support of friends and family that's just most important um and that's that's why i'm emphasizing you know talk share listen because that's what you can do um 
And then I, I had a, uh, a something I call a gift from my daughter. Um, it's actually a phone app about meditation, and it's called Headspace. Um, it's accessible through Netflix and as a phone app. She had told me about it, and we'd shared it in her last months. Um, uh, what The way I used it is that they have a series of sleep casts that are narrated very simple soothing stories with relaxing sounds like ocean waves and honestly for the first couple months when i could hardly sleep and i um i was overwhelmed i i turned it on and i would sometimes listen for a couple of hours to get to sleep night after night after night and then they have meditation courses um mindfulness loving kindness um courses on all sorts of topics so um I actually kind of used it almost as a therapist for me. Um, topics like grief, anger, relationship, loss. The one I'm doing currently is a 30-day topic on pain um, and self-compassion. I've, I've done that recently. Um, you get little concepts each day to, to deal with and then a guided meditation. And this is called Headspace on Netflix. Yep. We have another phone call for you. Caller, you're on the air. Hello, Zuni K. This is Nancy, Ron's wife. Okay. Okay. Uh, Hi, Nancy. Hi, Zuni. I still have Joanna's bracelet you gave me. Um, oh. I really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for the call. It's been a hard road, but you know, we can do it. <laughs> Thanks, Nancy. Nancy is also a horse person. Oh, they've been my savior. <laughs> yeah. Although I didn't go to your show because I was recovering from a really bad wreck, but that's a whole other show. Oh, <laughs> they okay. save you and they throw you. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it was an ugly one. It was just a bait. It was, yeah. Anyway, I'm a <laughs> thank you for your it's call. Good. Um, thank you. Okay. So, uh, Headspace, Horses, um, now you're going to tell us about art and music? <laughs> yeah. Um Luckily, I'm really capable in art and music, but I just want to say to everybody, everyone has abilities in art and music, even if it's just choose the right music to listen to, turn on your music, you can do it. Or you can find a beautiful designs coloring book and get some colored pencils, but music <laughs> and art are so therapeutic. My daughter was really artistic, and in her last year, um, her art... I noticed was influenced more and more by her inner deteriorating state of being. Even it was beautiful, but really unusual art. Um, so when I looked at it after she died, I wanted to understand it more from the inside out. So I just took a pencil and I started trying to draw like she did. Um, I wanted to. I created a series of 25 pencil drawings, and then in January of 2021, um, that's where the shows started. Um, I felt moved to use her art and my art to explore um, the idea that a creative mind is a different mind. Um, you have a different kind of soul, and difference can be a blessing, but when things get out of balance... Um, the darker side of the psyche can show. Um, and at the same time, that same creative energy can be very powerful therapy. So 
I decided I want to explore this in the community um, along with sharing more of suicide awareness, and that's when I looked for a, a gallery venue. Both Mendocino College and the Art Center of Ukiah offered me a month, so I worked with Doug Bro um, for the September show that Kay um, referred to at the college, and I worked with Laura Fogg and Betty Lacey for the January show at the Corner Gallery. Um, and I, I really feel like everybody who participated, myself, my daughter, I, I know she was <laughs> with us, and she's here today. My family, um, the show producers, and everybody who came learned and grew and benefited. Um, I, I want to appreciate the sponsorship of my brother and of NAMI, which is the National Alliance of Mental Illness. Um, they they put sponsorship money behind these shows. Um, and I also I'm trained in therapeutic harp. Um, I found that my harp music has always been beneficial healing for me while I am playing the harp for other people. Um, and as Kay mentioned, suicide loss support groups are really important, sometimes individual counseling. Yeah, the one thing that I understand the support groups, and I think AA is great for alcoholics, and et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go back to one thing. You know, I often am... Um, at a loss or what to say to people uh, if they've had a loss. And I always think that they probably want to be left alone. But uh. you're saying the opposite. You're saying that the more you talk, share, and listen with you know your what? friends, you're... the better. But Sorry. is that just me trying to avoid uncomfortable situations? <laughs> Boy, your last word, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but listen is huge. And, you know, I I've talked to many, many, many people who, when they hear that my daughter died, they say, oh, their mouth drops, they, they get like a blank, I don't know what to say. I, I can't imagine what you're going through. And I say, well, don't imagine because you don't want to go through it. Just don't imagine it. But listen. And sometimes just standing there, just, just here. But also, you know, people who are dealing with suicide loss, they don't necessarily want to talk about it. They don't necessarily want to bring it out. You know, it's it's just awkward. You just got to kind of mm -hmm. intuit each situation as it goes. Okay. And um, instead of, uh, you know, saying, I understand because blah, 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 or whatever, you know, just listen, like they, she yeah, said. Okay. And the other thing is, give specific help. Like, well, I'm bringing you over a pot of soup tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, I'm coming over to clean your... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my daughter's a psychologist, and she talks about how important community is for everything mm -hmm. yeah. and having that sense of community and people talking with you. Yeah. Um, I also would like you to talk more about uh, PTSD because I think, um, um, you know, a lot of people suffer from that. So PTSD is post traumatic stress disorder i believe that's what those words uh -huh. mean and um a, a way that that we have become familiar with that in this country is that um in all the wars that happen soldiers go off and they fight and they ha have to do um Battle is horrible. You know, horrible things happen. You you have to witness and experience horrible things, and you have to keep going. And um, but when you get home, 
you have stress from this trauma. You have been in a trauma situation. You're stressed by it. And the disorder is that you um, you may end up having flashbacks. You A certain situation may trigger you, and then all of a sudden you're back in the same place. Yeah. You, bec- you Your flight and fight um, response gets triggered, and... I can tell you a simple example of that with my daughter now as somebody who had, she suffered from abuse as a teenager and serious like five years worth of abuse, which caused trauma. Um, One day in 2020, we went together into a hardware store and she was fine when she went in. When she came out, she was shaken. It just so happened that that hardware store reminded her of the past, like 20, 50, uh, t- 10, year, 10 years ago, and the abuse situation. And all of a sudden, PTSD uh, yeah. happened. Out of the blue. Out of the blue. And you feel it in your body. We have another call. Caller, you're on the air. Hi. Um, two things I kind of wanted to say. We're talking about... Uh, the talk, share, and listen. I'm thinking um, a way I, I I would like to express it is be available. Okay, that's great. Uh, be available. Let the person know that you're will. If you really are willing to be available, if you're not, just <laughs> walk the other way. Do mind your own business. But be available. Let the person know that you're available. Uh, to ask for what you need Good point. and then be able to give an honest answer. Yes, I can do that. No, I can't do that. Real simple. Or maybe I could do this instead or uh, just because I can't, couldn't help you this time, you know, please ask again. And then there was one other thing. Oh, about the PTSD. Um, one thing that isn't really uh, understood a lot, I think, is that um, someone who's uh, uh, grown up with abuse, uh, a lot of times it isn't even so much the bad things that happened that are as make life as difficult as the normal healthy things and relationships that didn't happen. Mm. That... It's much more difficult. So, um, two good again, points. Back to be available. Thank you very much. And be simple and honest. Okay. Thanks. I I think that's a great point yeah, about you. being available. Yeah, I agree. And it's kind of an encouragement if you say providing a special love, like that little girl said that horse needed. Um, can be healing. My my wife says that I grew up as leave it to Beaver, and I had no abuse. Nobody yelled. Nobody drank. Nobody smoked. Nobody, you know. And I think the caller said that you know when you don't have a basis of what normal or nice is, mm-hmm. it's hard to yeah. find that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to. Um, I, I 
I'm a clock watcher, and I can see our time is running out. So um, I just want to mention a couple other things. Um, there is something uh, to deal with um, PTSD that's, that veterans have used. It's EMDR, Rapid Eye Movement Therapy. Um, there are local psychiatrists who have been trained in this and can, can help um, you use that. Um, I know that there's also new research happening currently on the use of microdosing using um, what uh, you know we used to call psychedelics um, from mushrooms, etc. So it, it's a new realm that is beginning to possibly offer some help. Um, there is electroshock therapy, which was a horrendous thing back in the past, but it is being refined and may actually be useful for some people. Um, there's biofeedback that may um, help sometimes um, Chinese traditional herbal medicine and acupuncture are things that can help to rebalance your energy flow, yoga, massage, and again, just plain TLC, love. <laughs> you know, lo love is, sometimes people say love is all there is. Um, and I just want to say again, because I'm want to make sure it gets heard, that um, the suicide hotline is 855-838-0404. Um, so hopefully you wrote that down in case you needed it. That's 855-838-0404, 855-838-0404. There may be a new thing coming online. I, I, I think this is going to happen starting in July. California is trying to make it easier, so I don't have to remember such an awkward number. Um, it will be 988. So pay attention to that. That should be coming up as that will be the new dial-in for mental um, illness, help, and suicide hotline kind of a thing. Um, and... Uh, and... I want to say that I also recognize that COVID, you know, we're, we, we're so aware of it. And COVID, the, our pandemic challenge, that is also contributing to the current increase in suicide. So reach out, listen, help, and, and be friendly. <laughs> and in Mendocino County, uh, where uh, there's these other um, sites you've talked about? Yeah, so um, Mendocino County, if you just start at MendocinoCounty.org, um, then you can you know, find your way down to get um, the website that will lead you to behavioral health, Mendocino County Behavioral Health, and you'll find lots of resources. Um, uh, on Dora Street in Ukiah, is the local office of NAMI National Alliance of Mental Illness and also Manzanita Behavioral Health Services. Um, so you can look up Manzanita and NAMI. And I also think that Mendocino County Health Clinics has a behavioral health department at MCHC. Uh huh. Yeah, that may be. So Mendocino County Behavioral Health. Um, and online, there are many. Um, there are, are many things that can help also. Um, I, I can't go into them all because there, there are really too many. But, um, for, for example, there's mental health 
uh, America of California. Um, I'm just sort of scanning through my pages and my notes here to make sure that we say what we want to say. Talk so, about the schizophrenia and substance abuse, because I see that so much in the ER. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so um, schizophrenia is something that occurs, and it is magnified and probably turned psychotic by drug abuse. Drug abuse is an injury to your brain. So if you're already suffering with the tendency, it, it, it's usually an inherited tendency, schizophrenia. Um, schizophrenia is just a disordering of the mind, and it includes paranoia, hearing voices, etc. Um, and then if you've mixed it up with you know a horrible cocktail of drug abuse, you're... you're My you're daughter almost. did a master's in neuroscience and said that we had these schizophrenic genes. If you smoke dope every day as a teenager, you have a 100% expression of schizophrenic genes. I think <laughs> drug abuse is uh, um, a terrible basis for a lot of problems. We only have 30 seconds left. What would you like to say as an ending? Um, Kay, do you have anything? I'm going to say what I know you've been saying, which is every day if you practice gratitude, you celebrate the wonderful qualities of the person that you may have lost. You celebrate the wonderful qualities of who's ever still alive, yeah. and especially your own. That's yeah. the important. Okay. Well, thank you very much for having us on the air, um, and we'll see you later. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.